Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. David Lose, a Lutheran pastor and professor, seminary professor, in his commentary on our scripture this morning, tells the story of the fall of the Berlin Wall. In the reports and subsequent yearly reviews of the fall, there was one story that was frequently overlooked. In the weeks leading up to the unexpected event, there were peaceful protests by the citizens of Leipzig, gathering on Monday evenings by candlelight around St. Nikolai Church, the church where, by the way, Bach composed so many of his cantatas, they would sing. Over two months, their numbers grew from a little more than 1,000 people to more than 300,000, over half the citizens of the city. They would sing songs of hope, revolutionary protests, and justice. They sang faithfully until their songs shook the powers of the, their nation and changed the world. Sometime after the fall, a journalist asked one of the commanders of the East German secret police why they hadn't crushed, crushed these protests like they had so many others. And he replied, we had no contingency plans for song. It would seem that Simeon and Anna knew the power of song long before the people of Leipzig sang their songs in peaceful protest. We have in this Bible reading today an example of the power of prayer and the power of song to create meaning in a way that words alone rarely do. According to Luke, it had been 40 days since Jesus was born. At eight days, Jesus had been circumcised and named in accordance with the Jewish law. 32 days later, his parents are once again performing their calling as faithful Jews. They travel to the temple in Jerusalem, this time to order to offer a sacrifice to, to consecrate their child to God. It was a solemn occasion, not unlike how many parents are in our church when we baptize a child or an infant or even an adult. It was a solemn occasion in much the same way uh, we are solemn. So perhaps Mary and Joseph were startled when Simeon, a very old man, comes beaming with ecstatic revelation and actually wants to hold their infant, which for most parents would be horribly frightening. But evidently, they let him hold the child. And when he does, he breaks into song. He sings of letting go and of departing. In short, he is singing about his dying. And so we just have to ask why. 
I mean, it's a baby, newborn. Why would you sing a song about dying? It would seem that in seeing the infant Jesus, Simeon saw a sign that God had kept a promise. Simeon sees in Jesus the promise to ancient Israel of a Messiah, an anointed one, one who would save his people. And trusting God's promise, Simeon is able to accept his own death with courage. Just an aside here, a little, you know, church geek trivia. Uh, in the historic order of Holy Communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, in the historic order of that, that liturgy, after communion is received, it was customary in many churches to sing the Song of Simeon. In Holy Communion, it would seem that we, like Simeon, not only hear but also see and touch and taste the promise of life God gives to us. And as if that wasn't enough, Luke tells us that the prophet Anna, who's been sitting there in that temple for years and years and years, alone, praying, worshiping, that the prophet Anna sings next. Her song, however, was not one of death and dying, but it was one of praise and thanksgiving. It was as if she couldn't sing anything else, that as she opened her mouth, she had to praise God and had to give thanks. And she also receives the Christ child as a sign of God keeping God's promises. And all she can do is respond with song. You know how that feels. You know there are times in your life when, when you are so filled with joy, all you can do is sing. All you can do, and even if you're not singing out loud, you're singing it in your head, right? Simeon, whose name means obedient and listening, and Anna, whose name means gracious and generous, were prophets, and their names point to a strong and lasting faith. Their entire life purpose was to listen and watch for God. They are examples of faithful waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. In their faithful waiting and songs, they showed that long life could result in wisdom and insight that youth couldn't offer. And their lives are lived filled with prayer and their prayers, which obviously included this listening to God, opened them to the revelation in the presence of this child, Emmanuel, God with us. Of course, in the rush and the press and the pull of our own lives, the struggles of our lives now as we begin to enter the third year of a pandemic, we often forget that in our world of images and noise and tablets and electronics and phones, we tend to forget that song has power. We forget that song can have power and remind us of, God, of our God who keeps promises. Our singing can not only remind us of God's power over Jesus' death and our own, 
but also that our songs can give us a chance for pure praise, pure thanksgiving. The songs of Simeon and Anna had power, and our songs can have power too. Our songs can create life and light. Our, our songs can be peaceful and, re- and yet at the same time revolutionary. Our songs and our singing can remind us, even in our darkest days, that we can rediscover our faith. They can witness to the faithful promises of God, the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection, and the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And sometimes, as I said, all you can do is sing. And as we sing, we get a chance to remember that often there is no contingency plan for song. That song can tear down walls. Amen.